Hello there, everybody. Welcome back to Star Wars Lads. Today we are doing our inaugural episode in our Ahsoka series for the new Ahsoka TV show. This is our first episode of Predictions and Speculation. Normally we do these starting after the premiere episodes of a new series. However, we decided to give you guys some of our initial predictions leading into the Ahsoka show, considering there are so many things to talk about and predict. We're going to limit here to a few different topics that condense kind of all the characters and, and sex that are part of the show. So before we do so, make sure you are hitting that like button. You are subscribed to the channel for all of our Soka coverage that we will be doing at least two days a week, every week throughout the entire show with some other videos dropped in between. We also have live streams going on the channel. We have polls for the best animated Star Wars character of all time bracket that's going on. So much Star Wars content here on Star Wars Lads. Make sure you're subscribed for all of it. Hit that notification bell so you're notified as soon as videos come out. Comment below. Let us know your theories for the Ahsoka show as well. All right, let's dive right into it here. I'm going to pass it over to Sonic for his first theory, and it involves the character of Sabine. Yeah, I think a big point that a lot of the marketing, especially in the last few days, has been hammering home is that Ahsoka and Sabine have this master and apprentice relationship and Ahsoka's been trained as a Jedi. Like there's even like almost like a Kendo like fencing little setup in the most recent promo, right? So it's like, yeah, if you're a Star Wars casual live action fan, you know, seeing the movies like that, you're like, yeah, she's just the Mandalorian who's got, you know, maybe like awakened to her force powers, kind of like Rey or something. But for long term, hard, hardcore, diehard, just completionist animation has always been very closely tied to our experience with the films. And seeing Sabine be this fiercely independent Mandalorian, but definitely not a force sensitive. Yeah, if they make that change, that's going to be almost like a very tough pill to swallow. Frankly, I don't think that's happening. I think the marketing, just like a lot of the Disney trailers have been for like the sequel trilogies, even some of the spinoffs and stuff like that. They piece together like two similar looking scenes, maybe some scene earlier or something to make it seem like there's something that's being said, like that's going to be like a crux of like what this film is about. And it usually never is, right? And that's this whole matter of the Sabine being a Padawan to Soka. Frankly, she's not. I think... We're not going to mess with her force sensitivity. She's going to have all the other Mandalorian gauntlets and everything that she can use to keep pace with a Jedi and obviously being trained by Kanan and now Ahsoka. She should be pretty good for a non-force sensitive, but she clearly won't do like a force push, force pull, none of that stuff. All it is is that at one point prior to the Ahsoka show, or maybe like the first episode, we see some part of their backstory after Ahsoka comes back from Malachor and she starts training Sabine when she's down and, you know, very saddened by not being able to find Ezra, not being able to do anything but protect Lothal. And it just works out. Ahsoka has had a life-changing experience, maybe something to do with the world between worlds and Mortis and all that stuff. Obviously, when you see season four of your life, which has ended at season two, that should definitely mess you up when you wake up back in season two, right? So... It'll be very interesting to see her perspective, what she's changed in that temple, finally getting back to Sabine, who's in this state of almost disarray for her own well-being and how that master apprenticeship works. But we also know it's broken off. And I think a key point I want to put here is that while they might have trained at that point and it ended, again, it was just for like the sake of like 
being a Jedi fill-in, like, you know, living up to Ezra's example. It makes sense that Ahsoka would do something like this because Anakin, all the way back to the first episodes of Clone Wars, I mean, it's fair to be frustrated at Ahsoka. She's loud. She makes a lot of silly mistakes. You know, she gives him the nickname of Sky Guy. Like, she's impetuant, right? But she grows and she grows under Anakin's supervision, which she realizes is not always under the Jedi Order's way. She becomes fiercely independent, multi-layered, skilled in different ways, and also like more in tune with her emotions. He has this whole evolution of just being almost like an old school High Republic Jedi before all denial stuff, like just being very open about your feelings and connected to the Force and balancing yourself as opposed to the dogma of the prequels. So obviously Anakin set up Ahsoka to be a very different Jedi. In the same way here, Ahsoka is like, if the Jedi are not here, if we have to face this catastrophic event, anything similar to it once again, we shouldn't just disappear like a religion or a people. We should have people who are armed and skilled and can bring about the Jedi, even if they themselves don't have the force. And I just feel that's Sabine's role. It, it's a way to help her feel like she's living up to Ezra. It's a way for Ahsoka to continue to evolve Anakin's teachings. But at the end of the day, it's a red herring. It's just supposed to create this cool backstory that's entirely unique for live audience viewers about who these characters are that isn't tied to anything from before. I I agree. I think Sabine, there's there shouldn't be any way in which she's force sensitive. Obviously, uh, with a lot of the Legends material that's being brought in here, it would definitely be out of the school of Legends to just say now that a character who's probably in their late 20s, early 30s is all of a sudden discovering they're force sensitive. But Sabine doesn't really grow up in an environment where she's forced to hide her force sensitivity, right? She's during her kind of formational years as a teenager and young adult she's with the ghost crew the the people who are literally jedi and would encourage her to be a jedi i feel like it would be a complete bait and switch that wouldn't really make sense if she was force sensitive uh, feloni seems to be more and more so diving into the world of jj abrams marketing with trying to trick you on what you're seeing in the trailers actually being what you're getting in the show so I don't really see it, but I do like the idea of Ahsoka training Sabine even without the Force. Uh, Ahsoka is one that obviously sticks more to the dogma of the Jedi rather than directly what the Jedi teachings dictate you should do. She is a kind of a heart of the Jedi type of uh, person, somebody who is the spirit of the law rather than letter of the law. And I think when we move here into the future, we see Luke's Jedi Order. We see how dogmatic and, and strict to the prequel Jedi era that it was and eventually it kind of falls because of that it, it has those same same trap falls and pressures that ultimately were exuded on on Jedi like Anakin Skywalker during the Clone Wars but Ahsoka maybe the way she is deciding to train future generations of Jedi or warriors maybe is more so with the compassion of a Jedi the heart of a Jedi but not necessarily needing to follow all the rules. So I think that transcends us nicely. As you mentioned, Ezra is a character that there's a lot of mystery around in this series. We seem to be getting a ton of Sabine in the trailers. We get a ton of Hera, a ton of Ahsoka, and even quite a few shots of Thrawn. But all we get of Ezra is one hologram recording of him in the trailers. So the first thing I want to talk about here for a theory is that I don't think Ezra is going to be the same person when we see him in the show. I think we get Ezra towards the second half of the season, maybe even towards the finale. It could be a nice plot point to segue into the New Republic film. But I think something's happened to Ezra. Obviously, being 
uh, one of the first characters, one of the first human characters we've seen make the leap into the unknown regions and not only be in the unknown regions, but be there for over nine years is going to have some effects on him. Some of the things he sees, some of the carnage he witnesses. And it also all depends on how much time he's really spent with Thrawn. Is it one of those things where they jump in the pergil with the chimera and uh, he gets launched over here and Thrawn gets launched over there and they never really meet back up again. And Ezra's forced to survive for nine years. Is it something where they are launched together, forced to survive together for nine years? And, and through that, maybe Ezra comes to understand a bit more of the methodology of Thrawn or understand a bit more of why Thrawn does what he does. I think in general, uh, we're going to talk about the Chiss a little later for my second prediction, but a lot of the horrors that Thrawn is trying to prevent by joining the Empire, Ezra could experience them. And what he experiences could turn him, I'm not going to say completely to the dark side, but make him more decisive, a little bit more angry, a little bit more sure, instead of somebody who leads with compassion, first and foremost, maybe he's someone who leads out of fear. It's kind of those borderline dark side elements that could make him another one of these Jedi who could straddle the line between light and dark. Maybe he's on the slight dark side of that line. But there are going to be elements here that I think make Ezra a very different person than we're expecting, especially because in the trailer, it seems as if Ahsoka and Sabine have pretty much given up on their search for Ezra, as it seemed like the finale of Rebels was was giving us, right? Like, this is a different type of mission. This is a hunt for Thrawn, not necessarily a search for Ezra. And I think maybe those end up becoming one and the same. Yeah, no, I mean, it'll be almost like the hidden story of this. It feels almost very similar to uh, another show releasing around the same time, Willow Time Season 2. There's been a recast of one of the characters. Um, and it'll be interesting because, you know, obviously the strikes and everything are going on. But even in the trailers released, we don't see much of him. So it's like, are they holding it for the show for hype there? Or are they intensely putting that character more focused later on or something like it, that it feels like a very similar situation as the uh, ahsoka trailers have been with ezra right like there's just that one shot of the hologram from a different angle that you can barely see that's like the only different variation we've gotten yeah i, I you know it'll be interesting to see how quickly he comes i do agree more of like a in the second batch of four episodes maybe like a tease of him at like the end of the first match, right? Of like what we can do, what we're gearing up to. And then we can kind of skip some of like the prep work or something like that. I, I can see that. But yeah, I agree. Ezra is going to be a different man. I myself have not read all of the canon Thrawn books, but obviously you are the more Thrawn heavy fan on this channel. And, you know, there's a lot of motivations that are very different from his Legends counterpart. There's the questions of how Thrawn will be like as a villain here even if he does lead more heir to the empire-esque i can totally see a lot of the connection between him and ezra still be informed by these books and by one of the things that they discuss right when you're talking about being a changed person even if he's like shot off uh in a separate path than uh the rest of the chimera crew or maybe with Thrawn, if by chance you know he's captured by the grisk all right like that could be a huge altering effect on him and maybe a way for him to feel like he's doing something right to survive, to 
protect his world, his home that he's, you know, fought for already once, but doesn't realize how fragile it is, right? From something crazier like the Grisk invading. Maybe in like a wave of replacing the Vong and the Brace of Pain, you know, just he gets like mind melded or messed up from an encounter with the Grisk, physically destroyed and all that. And even if he was with or without Thrawn, eventually goes to Thrawn and, you know, works as more like a militant commando for him, right? Like doing these missions, doing all these things to help them survive in their crazy new location and make the first steps back to coming to the known galaxy as Ahsoka is basically centered around, right? I think that'll be a very interesting way of doing it. Can we do Vong instead? Yes, I think we're not trying to be that 90s with Star Wars anymore where everything in comics was like new armor plating and like crazy angles and darker inking. It's not, we're not trying to be that crazy, but we can make something about the Grist that feels a lot more relevant to us and our fears in today's world and still feel almost like metal like the Vong. I, I can see something like that, maybe not everything being alive. I don't know if people were ready to watch Star Wars like that. But uh, yeah, so that, that's that's where I would leave uh, Ezra and his arrival kind of and how it sets up his frame of mind to be different from even what the Rebels crew are expecting and how we're kind of trained to expect, you know, this reunion to be like. Uh, but, you know, that does make me raise the other question. And this is like my next theory here. We talk so much about Ezra and Thrawn and of Rebels, the Thrawn books that we've gotten, both the, the canon trilogies, the Legends trilogy, how we're informing all these characters. We're going to meld them together with the Ezra storyline of Rebels. I think it'll be something quite unique. But the public-facing front in terms of the Force users for Thrawn is not Ezra. It's Balin and it's Shin. So, you know, it, it raises a lot of questions for me. Do we think that Balin is just someone who's been, you know, hired out because he's like, you know, got a feeler, is a mercenary like they're described, has happened to be training Shin, but, you know, they'll do it for the right money. Maybe they uh, kind of play a little bit more of the Sabbath story, you know, of, you know, wanting to be this prideful Jedi where the rest of the galaxy should be ruled by the Force users and the Force users alone. Is it something like that where, you know, he's feeding into that, tapping into the more legend storyline? Or are we going to have more of this opposing like factions with not just Thrawn and his different Imperials, but even his close hand people? Like maybe he has the Nogri on one hand, then he's got Ezra, then he's got Balin and Shin. He's got the, the lady from Corvus. Like how do these pieces fit together and does Thrawn balance all of them? Or is it more of a case where he starts causing contentions and maybe that's what eventually changes the story for Balin and Skull. Maybe that's why Balin's like, you know what? I have my chance to use the world between worlds, figure out something with the Mortis gods and maybe redo the Clone Wars or something like that where change the universe for better, but obviously not for the better. I I agree with a lot of that. I think Balin and, and Shin are the most interesting part of the plot of this entire thing because they're the wild card, right? Like, we can see trajectories for Ezra. We can see trajectories for Thrawn. All of the characters here, Hera, Sabine, Ahsoka. But who are Shin and Balin? And and that's the thing that's so interesting is why are they looking for Thrawn? Why can't they get in touch with Thrawn so easily? 
what's so important for them to gain power when they find Thrawn? What does Thrawn have access to that they're looking for? I think when we talk about maybe the Church of the Force here in Star Wars, we've expanded a lot of different Force religions. There could be the idea that they are maybe just a, a dark side group that are interested in a different type of dark side religion outside of the Sith. That's why they're maybe looking for Palpatine. Maybe they think Thrawn might have a connection to Palpatine in some way. Could they be former Jedi because he knows Anakin from the Unknown Regions who got trapped in the Unknown Regions? Maybe Balin, he's working his way back and now he's training Shin, another girl he's met out in the Unknown Regions. There's a lot of possibilities there. Uh, we also have the whole idea of cloning and the Strandcast clones. And then, like you mentioned, Jurus Sabaoth, the idea of, of Balin being either a replacement for that character, a, a redefinition of the character, a realigning of his goals and ideas, but with a, a new Padawan and a, a new directive towards Thrawn instead of trying to use Thrawn as a means to an end like he is in the books. Here, he's actually searching for Thrawn to ally with Thrawn over something. Uh, there's a lot of different possibilities here. There's even the possibility that maybe this guy exists out of time. He could have come from the world between worlds. There are a lot of things that are really interesting about Balin. And I think as the mystery of this entire series unfolds, he's the character that I'm most intrigued by his entire backstory. Now, you know, we could watch it and it could ultimately be disappointing. He's just some dark side user who maybe left the Jedi uh, 30 years ago and was like he knew Anakin they had similar thoughts about why they didn't like the Jedi but he was like I'm getting out of here maybe it's another person who sent Anakin towards that path of questioning what the Jedi were doing but I would I would love to believe there's some like big mysterious lore reason we don't know anything about Balin and I, I think a lot of it could have to do with Thrawn and his connection to the Sith Eternal or just in general to some technologies that he is enticing a character like this towards, you know, in, in the book, Sabbath is enticed by the promise of getting Luke Skywalker to train as his own little Jedi puppet. Uh, this seems to be, the show seems to be promising Balin something else through Thrawn that he genuinely thinks he could be all, all powerful by uh, capturing. But let's transition also in kind of the similar fashion from Balin, and we talked a lot about Thrawn here, and I also connected the Sith Eternal a bit, and that it ties in a bit towards my my second prediction, which is about the Chiss Ascendancy. And I made a video that posed the question, why is Thrawn the heir to the Empire in this, outside of just the general idea that he's a high-ranking Imperial that you all wanted to tell me in the comments? Yes, that was not, that was not the point of the video. The point of the video was to say that Thrawn is a character who does not care about the Empire. He, it is a means to an end for him to conquer the Grisks and to defend his own people. It's a, it's a necessary evil. And, and then higher Ascendancy Trilogy is about that. <laughs> Greater good, lesser evil is the final book. That's the whole idea of what they're doing here. And Thrawn's sham banishment has led him to an alliance with the Empire. But when he comes back into Noden space, however long that takes him, maybe it only took him like a couple months. Maybe it took him a year. I would imagine if it, if he comes back and is not involved in the original trilogy, he would have had to come out back at least after Return of the Jedi. So where's Thrawn been? What is he doing? A lot of that has to do with the connection to the Ascendancy. 
I think the ascendancy is probably going to be destroyed. We see a more vindictive looking Thrawn in the trailer. Obviously, he doesn't really he doesn't say anything. We don't get much other than one shot. But in general, when you connect Heir to the Empire, a version of Thrawn who is a bit more out for revenge against the uh, New Republic. He refuses to call them the Republic. He calls them the rebels. He's imperial through and through. He has a strong loyalty to the Emperor, but he also sees this as his way to surpass Palpatine and become a dictator and a leader and a fascist in his own right. There's been a lot of discussion online about what makes Thrawn evil. Can somebody who sees an endgame in, in fascism be evil or an anti-hero? I, I, I don't think Thrawn necessarily cares about any type of dictatorship. He more cares about the, in, <laughs> the use of different pawns as he sees them in order to achieve his goals. And I think Palpatine could be that pawn. Uh, there is a possibility, and I think the strongest one, that a vindictive Thrawn after the death of the Chiss blaming the New Republic for the reason he didn't have allies to back him up in that fight with the destruction of the Empire, trying to gather Imperial might to get a bit of revenge on the New Republic, but also reshape his army and maybe do a favor for the ghost of Palpatine from Exegol, who might promise him the entire Sith Eternal fleet to use against the Grisks. I think there could be a few Chiss left. I would love to see a couple other Chiss like Arlani. I'd love to see Eli Vanto back. I'd love to see some Skywalkers. But in general, I think Thrawn here is going to be a bit more villainous because he has something that's driving him to be angry. And he's never really had that before in canon. He has He's very factual and assertive, but he doesn't really have a driving reason to, to hate or to want to destroy. And if we see that in this, in this series, I think a perfect reason for why would be that his people are gone. Yeah, I I wholeheartedly agree. I, I can see even possibly seeing it when we meet an Ezra and he describes why he's like kind of chosen to stay by Thrawn's side. It'd be pretty interesting to figure out why Thrawn can't, you know, leave wherever he is. I know we say unknown regions. There's been rumors of like things like uh, a new beyond, like this new term that's connecting like a place in the galaxy between ahsoka and skeleton crew and uh, you know it's pretty interesting to see that they're changing how we radically look at, le- at least a part of the you know galaxy of stars i think that'll be pretty shocking but even if we do or don't see it right he's gonna be closer to the legends book just because there's gonna be that need as from disney's perspective We've already been selling these books like hotcakes and these are the still the top sellers. Like just, you know, like play the characters more like how they are in those books from the start. I can just tonally be like a mandate to do that. I, I really do see that. And I think it's a mandate that like someone at a Lucasfilm would agree with, like Filoni would agree with, because you know, it does simplify things. So I I can see his anger, his frustration. We can hear maybe rumblings about, you know, this where being attacked by the Grisk or something. And then over time, as we get to know Thrawn a bit more as a character amongst his crew, maybe when he's in the presence of frenemies and enemies, then we can hear a little bit more about his story. Because I, I think they have to play him almost like a super genius Thanos, but without the physicality, right? I He's got to be someone that, you know, 
in universe or even our universe, someone might have to believe his philosophy, his vision for why he would reshape the Star Wars governments as we know it. What would be his reason for doing it, right? And that is the nicer version of him. Like like you said, the march towards fascism because he's blue skin and he's got red eyes. People might look at it a lot cooler. And it is to a degree. I'm not going to deny that. But his whole point of his character being rooted in like an emotional foundation would be pretty interesting as like a final reveal. Because in my opinion, just to really build off of this, I don't think he dies in this series. He just doesn't seem like a stepping stone. I can definitely see... Maybe some people predicting that he's here and then the New Republic film is more like Sith Eternal, cloning and all these other things in the wake of his absence. Personally, I don't see it. I just think that he's too good of a villain. And we've seen historically that it's basically impossible to replace him. So why not make his tenure in canon a lot more long lasting, more fulfilling for everyone, right? So that's where you can see a little bit more of that push towards maybe being more of an anti-hero. I'm not saying he changes his policies or anything, but I can definitely see by the New Republic film how he can, you know, entertain offers from multiple, you know, options, right? From the New Republic at some point, from a Jedi, right? Maybe from the Sith Eternal communicating Palpatine to him, maybe being unknowingly influenced by Palpatine through... Balin, who's got visions and dreams of magical powers and nightmares that Palpatine can provide him, and maybe Balin is the conduit to mess up Thrawn. We don't know, but I think we'll see that nicer version of him. I, I, it just feels like by the end we'll get that. The first four episodes, especially with a supposed mid-series time jump, why not play him like that, right? And it, it'll be fun to. Like see how he also brings out a little bit more of his political stature compared to just being like an imperial baddie in Rebels who's super smart. How does he form that government that he sees fit for the protection of their assets, but also for the vengeance right, of his own? I think for like my final point here, I do want to say we need to talk about the Anakin stuff, obviously. And I think the voice that we heard in that one promo clip seems like he's basically doing like the Clone Wars movie. I think we might see that scene, honestly. There's definitely rumors about younger actors. But I think we'll see a lot of these moments that we send in the Clone Wars and then some new ones as like Ahsoka is returning from the world between worlds and kind of coming out of it and returning back to the dimension that is the Star Wars galaxy, right? I think that'll be a very interesting time to do it. And then we'll see in the second half of the story, maybe in the second to last episode, and Anakin show up. I would like this to also be used as like a tease or like Anakin almost as a force ghost in the netherworld fighting against the Sith Eternal, what he's they're like bringing back like dark spirits and something. Maybe he continues the story as like fighting them off as like an ethereal being. I would really like to see the hint of that. And then you can eventually tie that into the corruption that we see in the shadows, the Sith, the pain and everything that he's feeling. So, right. I, I think it'll be very, very interesting to see that all unfold. But at the end of the day, you know, it's just be the bad guy and die like always like and i wouldn't mind it because he's still cool and he'll still have some iconic moments but it would feel like such a disservice to both sets of fans instead of like finding a happy medium most would appreciate yeah i agree i i really don't want to see him die in this i feel like any new republic film that we're putting out there and thrawn's about as big of a bad as you can get if you're not doing vader or palpatine so 
it would be a huge missed opportunity to kill him. I think the only way it would be satisfying is if he's in episode one all the way through episode eight. Like he's in all the episodes. Do not pull the Cad Bane on us where you're like, you drop him at the end of the second to last episode and then you kill him off in the finale. Uh, Thrawn is a lot less one dimensional than Cad Bane. So he deserves at least eight episodes of material. Uh, but yeah, I agree. And I love the comparison with Thanos too, because I, I absolutely can see that scene where Thanos is describing what happened on Titan happening with Thrawn. He's standing face to face with an Ahsoka. She's like, why are you doing this? And he's like, you didn't see what I saw. And, and Ezra's there too. And he's like, I saw it, you know, this is what's coming. And Thrawn has the ability to fight it. And we don't. (laughs) And, and uh, I think that type of stuff will be kind of the moral quandary of the show. I think if it works well, that's going to play directly into whatever the New Republic film here is here in the future. And I trust Dave Filoni to try to connect all the dots. I think, well, Anakin's in this show for sure. And like, we're going to have a legacy element to this show that I think is going to be quite interesting. And Anakin's going to be kind of the crux of that. I, I mean, Shadow of the Sith, I love that moment in Shadow of the Sith where Anakin is, is fighting basically the nine ring wraiths on Exegol. And if there's a way to bring back that idea of Anakin's fractured spirit, I think that would be really, really cool. There's also the possibility of all these other legacy characters in here. Obviously, we have a possibility of seeing Anakin from the dialogue we hear in the Clone Wars, training Ahsoka during the Clone Wars. Uh, from a lot of rumors, we've heard they've cast a young Ahsoka in the Clone Wars. Why not Ewan McGregor back as Obi-Wan in that same timeline? We could see Yoda Force Ghost. Could we see o- Ewan McGregor finally make his debut as the Ben Kenobi Force Ghost? Could they do deepfake Ben Kenobi Force Ghost? There are a lot of elements to the legacy side here. I do think Luke will make an appearance as well at some point. I, I think for sure we'll see him. It's just a matter of how big his role is. And I do think Leia could finally make her first deepfake appearance here in the New Republic sections of this story. So there are a lot of things that we can do here for sure with Anakin, but I would love Anakin to be kind of this constant guiding voice. Maybe it's his lessons that are bringing Ahsoka back to a lot of things she's trying to teach Sabine. She's recalling these moments, these these past experiences with Anakin, these important experiences. They take us back to a flashback, which connect nicely with the Sabine story. We could also just maybe see the Anakin Force Ghost guiding Ahsoka in moments of of turmoil where she's kind of sitting there going i don't know what to do sabine it's not working out as well as i thought or thrawn he's too powerful i don't know what to do those words of wisdom from anakin words of wisdom that kind of what you were mentioning earlier with uh ahsoka not really being able to connect with other jedi as well as she connects with anakin's style words of wisdom that obi-wan or yoda might not be able to supply her because anakin has a very unique way of doing things so all those things would be quite interesting. The world between worlds would be a really cool plot point to connect back to not just maybe the force ghost element of this, not just maybe the the uh, Palpatine side of this with Exegol or even just the Ahsoka, the, what we've seen with Ahsoka. But there's a, a really cool way to possibly tie in a lot of stuff about maybe Thrawn trying to utilize this technology to resurrect the Chiss ascendancy if it's gone. That could be a cool plot point. There's also an element of Palpatine in this with him embodying a bunch of a bunch of bodies and kind of destroying them very quickly, as we know from The Rise of Skywalker. 
could we see something even where he embodies somebody who works directly with Thrawn, but Thrawn maybe doesn't even know who it is. There's a, a mysterious character named Captain Enoch who we don't really know anything about. Could that be connected to Palpatine? Could he may, maybe like a Sith Eternal ambassador? Could he directly be embodied by Palpatine? There are other characters like Yuktashu in the past who had wore like a hologram face of Palpatine. There are a lot of cool things that we could tie in here and, and just spitballing here. Ahsoka is already the show that can get us talking the most about lore. I think these will be the most fun predictions and speculations episodes we'll ever do. But that's going to wrap it up for our predictions and speculation. Let us know what you thought of some of our big predictions down below. Obviously, there's like endless things to predict about the show. So if you have something you would like to comment on ours or comment your own prediction, leave them in the comments below. Thank you so much for watching. Make sure you hit that like button. If you're not subscribed, again, please subscribe. Hit that notification bell. We have a ton of content coming for Ahsoka. You're going to want to stay tuned for all of that great stuff. Uh, we do have polls going on right now in our bracket for the best animated character. Make sure you're voting in that. Tune into our live streams every single week. We're streaming Republic Commando right now, and we're answering all of your questions live. If you'd like to directly interact with us, make sure you are staying tuned for the first two episodes premiere review. Thank you so much for watching, and we'll see you all next time.